everybody. This is Nancy Miller for My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. And today, my special guest is Cynthia Petrovitz. She is the creator of, well, she's the founder. She's so many things, entrepreneur, philanthropist, artist of Sneaker Mutt. Sneaker Mutt has been giving back to local shelters, rescues in the Hudson Valley and beyond through the sales of their handcrafted sweatshirts, t-shirts, and glove dog stuffies. In 2022, they amped things up and hosted their first race. Dirty Paws and Claws, two by 5K Road and Trail Relay Challenge. Yeah, that's, a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that's a mouthful, yeah. But um, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Um, for those who are listening, um, Cynthia and I actually went to undergrad together and this yeah. dates yeah. both of us because <laughs> it's like, I don't even want to say, but it's it's definitely in double digits. Mm-hmm. In the, yeah. And it was a while ago, but you've done <laughs> an amazing job with Sneaker Mutt. I'm like, and plus you're teaching. I was like, oh my gosh, she's done so many things since the last time we saw each other. Um, do you want to go in a little bit more detail about what inspired you to go into art? Sure. I um, So really, it was the ends to a means <laughs> going into art, specifically, uh, you know, going to college for art at SCAD. Um, I knew I wanted to do something creative in the arts, but you know, I wanted to go to college. I really didn't have too much guidance as far as college was concerned. So, um, you know, I applied to SCAD and got in and then it was just like picking a major was because it was the er quickest way to get a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from that, uh, you know, everything started to just, I don't know, I guess they fall into place, but, um, you know, new opportunities came about. So I wouldn't say I'm the the girl that was like, oh, I want to be an artist when I grow up, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, well, then what about teaching? Because I know like um, shortly after you, I think you graduated from SCAD, then you went and got your master's degree and it was in teaching um, and you're in upstate New York. Um, so what led you into doing the, becoming an art teacher? So, well, the love of my life <laughs> so happened to live in uh, New York, Poughkeepsie, where I'm from. Um, so I met him right before I went to college to do my undergrad. So when I came back, which I never thought I'd be back in New York, um, you know, I was there and we wound up getting married. And it was also kind of like the same thing, you know, like I live in upstate New York, all of the art jobs were in the city. And I decided, you know, teaching would be a good way to kind of, you know, put them all together. So I went and got my certification, uh, which was another bachelor degree, which is a whole nother story, which I'm sure you might have run into that situation when you have a fine arts degree and then trying to get an education degree. Uh, So... Yeah, I got my um, master's, or not my master's, my bachelor's in um, art education, and then started teaching. And in New York, the way it works is, or at least years ago when I started, um, you're permanently certified after you receive your master's degree, but you have to get your master's degree in order to teach in New York. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and you have, I believe it was like five years after you earned your um, bachelor's to have it started. And I was like, I don't want to continue teaching. You know, like probably the fourth year in, I was like, nah, I'm not too sure about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the superintendent of the schools came and saw me and said, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're a great art teacher. What are you doing? Of course you want to, you know, continue doing this. So that week I applied for my master's program and then started my master's program. And then, then it was like 20 something years in education after that, you know, for art. That's awesome. Like, that's great. I mean, it's, uh, because you did, um, high school, right. For all of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, I knew right off the bat, I did mm-hmm. not want to teach little kids. Um, they're great and all. They terrify me. <laughs> I mean, I lo- you know, it's funny because I absolutely adore children's art. Mm-hmm. I think the creativity and the imagination and just the whole, like, it's all about process, you know? So I love kids in that, that way, little mm-hmm. kids. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as, and I hate to say this, I mean, I don't have children, so maybe this will answer to why. The neediness of that many kids in one space um, just became at times like a little overwhelming for me. Yeah, so. So did you have to do student teaching rotation in different environments just so you knew like, hey, I want to be in upstate New York? Yeah, I did um, my first, so I think, thinking back to how long it was, I think we did, it was six weeks, I think, or eight weeks, I can't remember, um, in elementary school. Uh, And then you do another same time frame in high school. Uh, And that doesn't matter if you choose to teach high school or elementary school, you're just black, you're a blanket art educator. Mm -hmm. So you do both. Um, And I'm going to tell you, I had a phenomenal mentor teacher, Louise Lefkowitz, who was freaking amazing. And she just, uh, I'm going to say as far as um, elementary school was concerned, and she just really sparked my passion for teaching in a way I wasn't expecting and I really couldn't wait to get to the high school you know students and do that student teaching which was second so yeah (laughs) that's awesome I mean and you also um teach on so many levels because then I saw that you were also a coach oh my gosh that is like time commitment and a half that's like a second job like yeah, I have to say, I was like the poster child for new teacher because when I, you know, got my position, you know, the first year in the high school, I was the senior class advisor, <laughs> you know, did did the art honor society, you name it, you know, I did it. Um, but yes, towards the end of my career, um, I wound up finding running and then um, I was a track coach for I believe like five years, which I loved. Yeah, it's amazing. 
and I could see that because I could have sworn I thought you were kind of into running even during our time at SCAD because I could have sworn towards the end of it you were like gonna go jogging and I was like oh that's yes. so not for me but that's freaking for you <laughs> well I guess in a way I'm highly influential as a person like I love the dopamine and I mean I'm sure you're gonna remember Den Denise yeah, yeah. Avila or Avila yeah Denise so Denise was the first person I had ever met who ran like I didn't know people did this I guess and um she she would go for runs and we worked together at the river house Mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of through her that I started dabbling in it a little bit, you know, on the treadmill. I never went outside, but I was always kind of like on the treadmill doing some running. Um, but that was just more for, uh, uh, aesthetics, let's say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it, then after, then when I really learned about quote running, then it just turns into a whole nother, you know, bag of tricks. Yeah. And then how did it end up going from this running, just, you know, that you're doing for yourself into this whole like entrepreneur philanthropy of sneaker mutt? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like I think back, so it's been almost 12 years and I think back to how this all started and I really can't help but think, like, I really do think there is a purpose for, for you, like, as a human in your life, you know? And I had always just been on that, that search or the wondering, like, what's my purpose? I, I knew teaching was not my purpose, although I was phenomenal at it. And I don't mean to, like, toot my own horn, but I was a very good teacher. Mm. Um, but I didn't... It, it wasn't feeding my soul. It was feeding the kids' souls, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So it, it just so happens that I had a friend who I had just met at a wedding who was running. She's a runner, and she ran the Philadelphia Half Marathon. And at that time, same thing. I was still just doing my little, like, you know, treadmill, run-of-the-mill, you know, aesthetics. And... <laughs> She said, do you want to run the Philly half marathon with me? Yeah. And I'm like, what's that? You know? And so she explained it and I'm like, wow, that sounds like fun. Yeah, let's do it. And I did it. And it was horrible. I like to say that it was horrifically magical because, you know, I didn't train for it. I didn't know what, you know, anything was really when it comes to pacing and, and all of that. But when I finished, it was so hard and we walked back to her house because um, she lived right in Philly. And I remember thinking like, I freaking love, like I loved that. I want to do that again. I want to get better at this. Like I could feel a change happening. And within a year, uh, I decided I was going to run a marathon on my, like for my 40th birthday, I signed up for my first marathon. And while, and this is where this comes, it's coming to a head. While I was training for the marathon, we had rescued a dog named Atticus. Mm -hmm. And he was from Texas. And so I'm training running and I have Atticus. And in the process, he passes away um, mm -hmm. within six months of us having him. 
Aww. he had cancer, um, which we did not know about mm-hmm. when we, you know, got him. And it was just traumatic. It, it really was. So during the running, I it was very cathartic because, you know, as I'm running, I'm like grieving my dog dying. And we had a dog prior to that, who had passed, you know, so it was just a lot of that. And I remember clearly running on the rail trail one day and there, this sounds so stupid and so hokey, but there was a butterfly in front of me and I'm just staring at it. And it's just like running with me, like following me. And my mind starts wandering and I just was thinking about Atticus and the, you know, Imus. And I'm just like, I love this so much. I wish I could do this forever. Well, why not? Why couldn't I do this forever? Why don't I just do this? People raise money for things. Why don't I raise money for dogs? Like, this is what I want to do. So then I signed up for the New York City Marathon for Mm -hmm. the North Shore Animal League, which was uh, one of the rescues. And oh my gosh, this is getting so long. I'll wrap it up. No, it's okay. So you have to raise money. I had to raise, I think it was $3,000. But of course, me being me, I'm like, no, I'm going to raise (laughs) $5,000. So I hate asking people for money. And I decided to make these glove dogs and set up a little like adoption at my school. So I made like 30 dogs and people could come into my classroom, my colleagues and adopt a dog and they'd write the name of the new dog down, like on this little adoption sheet that I had. And within the first, you know, day I like sold, not sold out, but like almost all of them were adopted. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make these dogs. And fast forward uh, I have, I'm, I'm almost at a thousand dogs sold or adopted. Wow. Say. Yeah. And then the whole t-shirt thing started to come, become part of the, the selling as well to earn, just to earn money so I could give it back. Wow. So do you, you make all of your own product? You're the person behind the manufacturing or you, you know, everything like everything so I make the glove dogs the first time I made t-shirts was at a race expo our local race expo Mm -hmm. and uh I silk screened all the shirts (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had 100 shirts and I silk screened all of them and I had I think it was 70 dogs glove dogs and Mm -hmm. I sold out of everything yeah and then I thought this is something you know like I could do this. This is definitely something. So then um, I started doing race expos. So I would go to like the Hartford Marathon, you know, and bring my shirts um, and make them. Yeah. And from from that, it's turned into like from silk screening. I've tried different things like pre-made, like I design it, uh-huh. but I can get transfers made so I can just hot press them to now doing my sweatshirts where I actually like you know cut out the sneakers and then hand sew and do all that kind of stuff um, for my my sweatshirts yeah 
Yeah. They're really cool. Like, I love the, the patterns on the fabric inside the sneakers because each one has, like, a different, like, pattern, whether it's, you know, they're just really fun. And then the, the shoe string goes into the word run, which I thought was really very clever. But I, I love the the fabric and the pattern design. Where 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 does that come from, that interest in um that because there, it feels like it's so intentional the the you're picking yeah I didn't know if they had special meaning to you or like just the aesthetics that you were trying to pull together no I mean I think I'm I think part of my problem is I'm always trying to think what the buyer would want to buy which I think is a huge problem for artists mm -hmm. um because we can't figure out you know I can't read your brain um mm. so it's I'm kind of learning that I need to really start doing things that it's what I like mm -hmm. and then if people want to buy it they will so like as far as the design and stuff I'm I I know like running, like, you know, the bananas and the peanut butter, like there's certain things that are kitschy that go along with running. So I try to embrace that, but kind of do it my own way, I guess is the best way of putting it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Because you design the patterns, right? On the fabric? Yes. Um, oh, so no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, no. Okay. No worries. No, no worries. Yeah. So the, um, so the fabric inside, it well, it depends. Some of them I do. Like uh, I have done, I have done some, um, but okay. I would say the majority now are just ones that I could go ahead and like purchase as fabric mm -hmm. already. Um, okay. But the actual sneaker design yeah. and the laces and all that kind of stuff, you know, that portion is uh, my design. Oh, cool cool very cool because i mean they're just it's fun i really like i'm not a runner makes me aspire like maybe i just get the t-shirt <laughs> pretend <laughs> at least you know but i really love the design and the dogs are just so cute and i um that's amazing and so but then you went on to have your own actual run like event yeah. right event. yeah so, what made that transition to say, oh, I'm going to sell product. Now I'm going to actually hold an event. Yeah, I have to say, I am like, Nancy, I had had that idea to do a race forever. And I don't know what was holding me back. But, you know, and finally, I'm like, going to so many races and thinking, well, I could do this. Why am I letting other people do it? I could do this. So yeah, I just decided to put on a race, all the profits go to you know local shelter but I wanted to do a race that I would want to go to oh. that, that was the whole concept so the metals I make all of the metals mm -hmm. every single one of them out of concrete like I cast a mold and I make that and then the t-shirts I design the t-shirts I print all the t-shirts myself the banners the sponsorship stuff like all of that all handmade and one, I do it because I love it and it's just an outlet, right? You know, mm -hmm. to be creative. Um, also, the, it's cost effective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, it's uniquely its own. Uh, and it's just the, the, it's so much fun. 
And I kind of made it boutique-y, I guess, is what someone called it one time, because it's only, I can only host a certain amount of runners. Oh. Because if, if it was over 100, I wouldn't be able to do it, all of that work myself, you know? Yeah. And it was just very important to me that the medals were handmade, the awards are handmade, like everything is just very authentic and sneaker mutt and Cindy and, you know, that. And it's a blast. It's so much fun. This year, last year we raised $5,400 and this year we raised uh, $6,500. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. You just yeah. keep going and going. I mean, like, that's amazing. You do all that work by yourself. That is like... Whew. Like, does that take all year to do it the plan? It does, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. The first year, like last year when I did it, uh -huh. was the first year. It was clearly like I had no idea what I was doing, but I'm going to try it. So it was like a lot of trial and error, especially with the metals, because I was using concrete. But, but I mean, you're an artist, you know. Don't you love experimenting with new things and trying to figure out how it would work or what would work? you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally like for me, it's about process. And there's so many failures. I go like people don't realize they're like, Oh, but I had to make it like nine times. And now I know right. how to do it. It's like, after the ninth time, your brain and your muscle memory is like, totally like gotten it. You're just like, yeah. but it's fun and a weird. I don't know. It's kind of a, you know, it's fun. It is. It's so much fun. And it's so frustrating because, you know, like the first time, you know, I batched my metals. So I had like four molds and I would, you know, every hour I would make a mold and then, you know, metal and take it out and, you know, do it. And then they have to cure. And then like a week later, all of them break. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, why they all break? You know, so like the ratio of water to concrete, you know, wasn't correct. So Luckily, I, I, there was so much failure last year, uh -huh. but it got done that this year, um, I had a little bit more like space and room to, to kind of like relax and realize, okay, I know what I'm doing. So what I figured was this, the first year you make all your mistakes and you figure out what your mistakes are. Right. And then the second year you don't make those mistakes again. And that's the goal. Uh -huh. And then the third year, then you start adding new things, uh -huh. you know, because you kind of know what mistakes you made and, and, and didn't make. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I even make like, I, I sew the ribbons for the metals. I mean, that was just, you'd figure that would be easy, right? No, of course. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's so many things you don't realize aren't going to work. Like, it won't lay on the metal correctly. It's not hanging. It's not like sewing around the neck properly, like stupid stuff like that that you never think, you know, would be a problem, but it turns out to be a problem. So. I mean, as you add things, are you going to get help though? Like volunteers or like, because you can't all do every, I mean, unless you like, I mean, as you grow, like, would you or or is it the sponsorship does that help like you said you get sponsorship from like yeah. I'm assuming local businesses or mm -hmm. I will say the sponsorship I get is phenomenal um, I'm just so I really am so blessed to have the sponsors that I have 
Um, and they're all kind of like in this strange industry of concrete <laughs> and like the trades, you know, which is oh, awesome. Cool. Um, and yes, I definitely need help. But then I have that issue of like letting it go, you know? It's one thing if I make a batch of metals and they all break. It's a whole nother situation if someone makes a batch of metals for me and then they break, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, I would love, I, I would love help. And I have these ideas. I mean, I know that you offered, which was so phenomenal. Um, oh. with, and, you know, and part of it too is sometimes I just don't even know what I really need help with, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I will say like after doing this race, I thought, oh, this is what Nancy could have, could have helped me with. So I, I've got you pegged for, for next year for, <laughs> for something, but, um, yeah, I do need help. It's hard to ask for help. Yeah, I understand that. I think being an, uh, from the art education background or just teaching background in general, I think we're our own little, like, I, I don't know, as an art teacher, I really don't like to ask. So you just get very scrappy and very like, how can I make this work in a situation that, and then everybody's kind of like getting their needs met or whatever, just, you know, with art supplies and this and that and the other. So um, yeah, being self-sufficient is like, comes with the territory of being a teacher I feel like mm -hmm. well and I also don't like it when people tell me I can't do it a certain way oh yeah me too right so it's like I wanted to make the metals out of concrete no you can't do that well no I can no that'll <laughs> never work and it's like oh no I'm gonna make it work yeah you know so it's it's certain it's that type of stuff like I want to hang I want to make this banner oh no you can't do that well, no, why not? You know, and, and so I think part of that not letting, being able to let it go or ask for help or being so self-sufficient is because I kind of think I know what I can do uh -huh. and I'd rather be proven wrong by myself <laughs> than, than be told that I just can't do it, mm. you know? So, I mean, your art right now to jump on that subject is your approach is so phenomenal and it's so different than anything I've seen. And I'm, I'm sure if you, who knows, maybe you have like told somebody this is my idea and this is what I'm going to try to do. You know, they'd be like, Oh really? Like, because they can't, they can't get in your brain. They don't know, like you have that vision and you know what you want to do and what you could make it look like you know, but other people can't. And I think there's always that question or the doubt, um, maybe. And I don't want that getting in my brain. I don't want that getting in my head. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, so like your stuff, if, if even me, like if you had told me what you were, what your art plan was or what you were going to do, I'd be like, really? How are you going to do that? Uh. You know? And then you see it and it's like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. Like, how does she do this? You know? Wow. Um, so it's just, uh, it's interesting. No, I think it's true. Like I have 
I think some of the things that I've tried, I just didn't tell people because of the, what you're saying about the people saying, well, that's not going to really work. Like, what do you, you know, what do you mean that that doesn't make sense to me? Like, why would you do it that way? Because it's so much easier if you do it this way, if you do it all digitally or you do this. And I just was like, I like the results at the end of the day. It's like, I spent my time. It's nobody else's time, but my own. Um, but I love everything you've produced in, and it's just like, it's so unique. It's so there's, you know, it's so appealing to me that because of, oh, I mean, big part, you know, it's not only a great, beautiful work, but it's also that you're giving back to something that you were very passionate about that you run for, you participate, you, you, you live that life that, you know, you, you love your dogs and you want to get back to your community and you've turned it into this, like, practically its own little movement of business that, you know, has grown. And I think that is phenomenal um, that you've done, done it and done it so well. I was like, wow, these are so professional, but I just love the handmade uniqueness to it. So I just find it very appealing. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's, um, I wish other people could, you know, <laughs> you know, Nancy, I'll be honest with you. Uh-huh. And maybe you feel the same way. I don't know. But a large frustration that I have nowadays is everything is so mass produced, mm-hmm. right? And the, you know, for us taking the time to make something, like hand make something, and then someone to see it who doesn't, who's not in that world, let's say, I guess, yeah. um, it'll be like, oh, well, why is it so expensive? you know, and it's like, oh, well, this is handmade. Like I sewed this myself or they don't understand. Like I can't, I mean, as far as like my website, everything on that website is, is mine. Like dogs Mm -hmm. are drawn. I drew them an illustrator, you know, like everything, the photos are all mine, like everything. And I get so many people are like, well, you know, well, I could do that in Canva too, you know? So I'm like, I didn't use Canva. <laughs> this is mine. So it's, or, you know, like, oh, what template did you use to make your website? Well, I, I didn't use a template. Like this is, I created this website. So in many ways, it just can be so frustrating because I hear from you. I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but like, oh, it's okay you understand like you can see it and understand and know like but a lot of people they don't know any better they just they don't Mm -hmm. I mean it's right they don't know any better and they just I want people to understand this is my biggest problem I want people to understand that what I'm doing is made by me like that's how much I love it and care for it and and live it yeah so when it's misrepresented and I don't mean in a in a malicious way just in an unknowing way it hurts my heart (laughs) you know because I'm like no I I made all these glove dogs you know and they're like oh but you made it I'm like, yes, I made it. But what do you mean? Like, 
you sewed it together? It's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, um, you know, even the t-shirts and the sweatshirts, you know, so, uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but. Oh, no, it's, it's, um, I think a lot of it has been because of, like, you mentioned Canva and some of, like, I think print on demand, because there's now so much of a proliferation of it, they just, people assume, like, oh, well, you just took your file, or you made it in Canva, then you uploaded it to the site, and then they mass-produced all of these, um, but clearly you can tell like the stuff that you're making is hand done and crafted. Um, and I just like what I've kind of realized for me, like I've had to make the shift, like that it's, you know, it's not for everybody. If you, like I tell people, like if you want an illustration that is turned around in three days or you want X, Y, Z, there are plenty of other people out there who will do it gladly. <laughs> I think you, what you're buying from me is something that, you know, and just like with your products, I go like, these are clearly so unique and hand done um, and crafted. And like no two would necessarily, even though you're doing a pattern because you're hand cutting mm -hmm. everything, it's not like some machine stamping away at these things. Um, so it's yeah you're you, some of that and also the fact that it's going to such a worthy cause I mean like who wouldn't pay a little bit extra for knowing that not only are you it's handcrafted it's original handmade and then it's going to an amazing cause so yeah. the, that audience to me is those people who hold Cindy values or sneaker mutt value you know what I mean like I think it's that sure. mindset yeah and um, because I kind of was like, oh, like some people are just like, I would just do that digitally or whatever. And I'm just like, well, that's just not what I, I did it for a year. I didn't like it. So I'm not going to do it that way. But then my art's not for you. So. And that's, that's the point. Right. I mean, I have a lot of people, a lot of people, my husband yeah. saying you could just do this so much easier if you just, like you said, do like a mass production, you know, uh, but it wouldn't be the same. You know, and I've had full on arguments with someone um, in the silk screening industry who is like, you're insane because you're not making a profit like this. This is ridiculous how you're doing it this way. You should just, you know, put it out, you know, to have it mass produced. And I'm like, but that's not who I am. Like, that's not what I want to do. Um, mm -hmm. So is my business a lucrative like paying the bills business absolutely not it's not but is it is it a business where i can then take all the money that i did make and give it back yes and that's that's the whole intention of it it was never never intended to be you know um my 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 salary let's just put it that way so, and that's how it's going to stay. And that's how I love it. So save all those puppy dogs. Thank yeah, you. Definitely. And I, I feel like they're just, it's, it's very special. And I think the fact that you've championed this and you've built it, like, it's amazing that, and that you get that many people who are just excited about coming to an event like that and knowing that what they're doing goes to a worthwhile cause. I mean, that can yeah, that it can impact a little, like you said, a little dog or, you know, that they, they get a little, yeah. So I, think yeah, I mean, it's very important that I make them, 
I've always, whenever I've gone to a race, I've always wanted to walk away feeling like, um, like I was a part of it, like, you know, yeah. good feelings and stuff. So when you walk away from the dirty plaws and claws two by 5k relay challenge, which is such a mouthful, you know, I really want people to walk away feeling like they made a difference, that they're part of this like family, um, mm -hmm. that they're heard because anyone that signs up for my race, you know, they can walk up to me and start telling me about their dog, you know, or their cat. And the first thing they'll do is they'll whip out the phone and like, you know, start going through pictures. And I love that. I'm, I'm here for that. I want to hear all about your dog, who you had to say goodbye to and who you just still love. And you're running this race for this, you know, for, for them. It just makes my heart so happy and sing because that's what it's all about. I'm gonna get a little teary-eyed. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, I think you know our animals are so precious, and they all have personalities, and they, you know, they're not kids, but you know, I do. They add so much to our life, and um, you know, my life is is so much better because of my my guys and girls, you know, mm -hmm. and. Um, I miss them, you know, I miss the ones that are gone and, um, yeah. And I just want to, well, my whole thing is, you know, if you want to, if you want to have the perfect life, I always say you should run a marathon and rescue a dog. <laughs> so, so Nancy, go run a marathon. <laughs> A walk one I don't know about running one I go like man I do the treadmill like walk run like uh, daily but I go like that is a whole different league like to run like that I go like I don't know I that's so intimidating um yeah that's amazing that you do that and I was wondering how do you get the word out because this is such a you know you want people to you know attend you want people cheering on like, how have you gotten the word out um, as far as to the runners? And how do you, because you also mentioned you get sponsorship, people who have been helping. How do you get that word out to sponsors who want to help, um, you know, spread the word about Sneak Vermont? So with the sponsorship, I go old school. I do like a kit, like an actual like sponsorship kit, like printed kit with pictures and all of this oh. stuff. You know, um, I love mail. I love real mail. So, you know, I love that they get it and they open it and it's just that tangible, you know, so that's how I do my sponsorship. Um, and I try very hard not to be, uh, like texting or emailing ish, you know, I really want it to be more of a phone call hands-on situation when it comes. So it's more personal. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So I do that, I, you know, as far as the sponsors concerned and then, for the runners, uh, our world of Facebook and all of that Instagram technology, which I love and hate at the same time, um, I just kind of hit up all of the local running clubs. And I do have a club called um, Eastern Duchess Roadrunners, um, who I'm a member of, who basically partner with me. So they help get the word out to, to the runners. Yeah, so that's kind of it. But Very cool. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> and so would you have any advice? I don't think it was on my questions originally, but because of your art teaching background and then also everything that you've been through with, um, you know, building sneaker mutt, like if you, if there's anybody listening and they have um, somebody in high school who is really passionate about art and they want to pursue it, what, what kind of advice would you give for the their guardians who are in their life trying to nurture this art making and creativity, what would you tell them that would help? Their you know, that's, that's a double-edged sword right there. Mm -hmm. I think you know this mm -hmm. um, because there's you, number one, you don't want to squash, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of them pursuing a career in the arts, because I think that's, if that's something that someone wants to do, I mean, I think go, go for it. Right. But I do think after teaching AP art and seeing so many of my students work so hard at getting an AP or getting um, into a art college, you know, with a scholarship um, and then seeing them graduate and then not do anything with their art mm. in that career some have, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, I just really think you need to have a game plan. Mm -hmm. um, and that might make things not so, you know, romantic, I guess, being an art, <laughs> um, being an art student. Um, but I kind of almost now have a little reserve. I hate to say this, Nancy. No, it's okay. I almost, I almost have like a little reserve in encouraging students to get a career in I'll, I'll at least say like the fine arts maybe I don't know um because you have to really know or be aware of what the lifestyle is going to be yeah um and if you, you know, having money <laughs> is an important, <laughs> important thing. Oh, we um, can have a podcast on that, Cindy. I should yeah, have right? you back. Like financials for artists. Oh my gosh. That we should have another we, episode for that. We could because you know, you spend so much money to go to college for art. Mm -hmm. And you spend so much money on art supplies. I mean, I don't think anyone really has an understanding that's like in the liberal arts, you know, of what a fine arts degree, the amount of money, you know, is put in there. Um, so it, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's, it's, 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 it's really hard. I'm not sure, you know, the advice would be just have, a plan. And when I mean plan, I mean like exit plan. Like when you leave college, what do you see yourself actually doing with that degree? And work backwards is kind of like what I would think. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to go in, if you want to be a potter, right, then you need to right now figure, find companies or places that actually employ potters which that sounds silly but you know what I'm trying to say yeah like um or you know because if you are if you think you're going to graduate from college <laughs> you know like and then I'm just going to be a potter you know and I'm going to make a lot of money 
you might, but probably not so much. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds horrible, but. No, it's honest. I mean, like, I'm pretty honest with people that, like, I teach part-time art. I am a virtual assistant. <laughs> and then I also do the freelancing. I I'm trying. Like, all of it, most of it, I'd say 98% of the work that I do is personally driven work it's like you have to be highly motivated like yeah. once you leave school I think that was the the kick in yeah. the pants that I needed graduate school it was a lot of money oh it was a lot of money um but um it really got me into the pace of like just go 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 and then not um I mean I get upset about rejections but it's just par for the course and I think a lot of when especially students who start out maybe an undergrad if they haven't really thought about it they don't realize like the doors will not just magically open for you no. I mean unless you're in the top I think literally you'd have to be in the top three to five percent of like your continent of artists or whatever you know globally even right. because those people are the ones who you see on social media who are just like boom 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 and they're making loads of money or whatever um but i think for the vast majority if you're you know i consider myself a c-level student and boy it's a hard it's it's hard even with having done so much research in the market i wanted to be in like i knew it's gonna be a slow like children's books it's not fast it's just it's now maybe for some people but not for me and i know that it's i have like I had to project three to five year game plan. And I think like having that idea that whatever you're, you know, part-time jobbing it and like, or like, you know, it's, it's hard. There are moments like I go, I know people are looking at me and judging me and saying, she got her master's degree and she's doing what? Like she could be making so much money going back full-time teaching and things like that. Um, you have to have a bit of a spine to, um, you know, be like, oh, well, that's your personal perspective on it. This is my life and I'm going to do it. So, yeah, well, and I'm going to throw a little thing in there about the art yeah. teaching thing, if I may. Yeah. <laughs> I had many, many a student teacher. Um, you know, I also think people don't recognize the fact that just because you are an artist does not mean you are a teacher. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I hear so many people are like, you know, um, I went into art ed so I could work on my own art, you know, and teach because teaching's fantastic because I'm teaching art. And I just always want to shake them and say, but are you a good teacher? Because the first the number one thing of teaching is you have to be able to communicate and be a good teacher. And then you can, you know, with any discipline. So just because you are an artist doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be good with children or young adults and teach them how to create art. Um, and then also, I think there's a huge belief that I'll have time to do my own art, which I don't know, maybe you, you know, it, it's very difficult because after you've spent, you know, <laughs> all that time teaching um, and then home and doing, you know, preparing for your class, you know, I personally found that doing my own art, you know, was just minuscule. And mm -hmm. um, that was definitely something you're, you're, Nancy, you're a thousand percent correct. 
you not only have to be extremely motivated to do this the right way, I guess, but you also have to be very structured mm. and like consistent almost um, of, of knowing where things are going to fit in and how and, and into your life. If you do want to be, if you do want to wake up, you know, five, 10 years from now and be like, wow, I did exactly what I wanted to do. I'm a teacher. I have my own art, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's uh, possible for people if they really want, but you have to do the work. And that's what I've told, yeah. like, especially if they're older students and they're in high school, I was like, you you have to do the work. I mean, I don't know how, you know, unless you're just one of those, um, like you're gifted savant, like you were just born that way. And there's that small percentage, maybe that are people out there, but I go like, most of us have to do this work over and over again. And I think for me, I think what's basically like, just even if I don't get paid, even if I'm getting numerous rejections, I gonna do this anyways because I'm just crazy or maybe because I'm almost 50 and I just don't care anymore I think that's a lot of it I go like I think age has to do with some of it and then yeah. just realizing that I can't live my life for other people's expectations I mean as long as it fits with my family like they have to be of course on board with it because that's like could be serious discord in your life but if you're getting the family support then other people outside who are not you know um yeah and you have to get a personal satisfaction out of even though you're getting lots of rejections like that the work is getting better i've literally those are the i go like that was a win oh my gosh i think <laughs> i leveled up but that's really that's so much more intrinsic intrinsically driven so well, for all those listeners out there, I just want them all to know, Nancy, at a very young age in college, was so, you were so driven, Nancy. You were always, like, you had a hustle. You always, you did. It was so, it really was very inspiring because you always, I knew you not only wanted to su succeed in this industry, I knew you were going to because you were so you were just so driven and you would take so many chances on crazy things that it was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like that mural, you painted the mural on the side of that. that um, building. And then you got the, you know, that, uh, the job with the guy with the fishes, with the, the, the fish. Oh, printing. Yeah. I just try a lot of things. Now I'm even more, I think cavalier because now like, it's like, Oh, like, just that whole idea of just try and see if you like it. And I've told students like, like, I don't know. I mean, I've never done that. Just try it. See if you like it. And then if you, you never know where it could go to, but yeah, I don't think, I feel like at the end of the day, I look back and I go like, Oh, I could have been even more like tried different things. I look back and I was like, I didn't know when I was younger, I was like, there, that was an opportunity that was knocking at the door and I didn't jump on it fast enough. Like I look at certain things that I was like, I think it's a lot of it's just perspective and how you look at things, you know, go for it, try it, do, you know, like sneaker mutt, what you did with that. Like if you hadn't done all of that and like, look at where it's at now and you're going to be doing your third in the future, the third event. I mean, like, and where it could go with all of that, who knows, you know? So I think it's very admirable. I go like, I'm always like amazed what other people are doing with their, their creativity and 
I know, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's that balance of being able to figure out how can I make it financially sustainable, but also that I can keep at it. And I think it also depends on what you're, what you're choosing to do with your art. Um, yeah, because some, some places, you know, you, you're more likely to get, you know, in-house creative jobs that can work and, um, but yeah, but those of us who want to do our own business, our own kind of our own uh, <laughs> uh, to go on our own path, you know, it's going to be harder to, yeah, navigate those waters. It's so different for everybody. That's the thing I found. I talked to all these people. I was like, oh, you got there, but that was so different. What yeah. I do love too, on a side mm-hmm. note, is like on in- I I don't like Instagram, but I love Instagram in the same yeah. regard. And I found so many interesting artists on Instagram. And what I, what some of these, some of these artists have freaking hustle, you know, and they, it's just great to have seen them, you know, two years ago trying and you can almost see, you know, you see the progression and then they finally like find their niche, niche, you know, and now that's really all that they're doing. And it's just amazing. And I get so inspired by that. Because finding your little niche, is that the word niche, niche, niche? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it can be, you know, it's hard to do and it's a lot of trial and error. Um, but I have to say, I'm really jealous of all these artists who, who huh. have like grown up in the Instagram era, you know, um, because I think back, I don't know, how many years ago, Nancy? Too many to oh, say. Yeah. I think I would have just loved <laughs> um, being creative that way, um, yeah. you know, on, on Instagram or, you know, the photography and the video editing and all that kind of fun stuff, you know, like to put themselves out there creatively that mm. way. Because I think it's such a phenomenal platform to use. Um, and I'm only talking Instagram. I don't know anything about anything else, but... Oh, (laughs) you know, there's so many different platforms, so hard to keep up, but, um, but I appreciate your time and talking about sneaker mud. And so where can listeners go to find out more about, about it? Um, Sneakermud.com. So there you can see my sweatshirts, uh, the race recaps, that type of uh, thing there. And that's it. That's organic. It's a, it's a in process always. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Those two places. Oh, can you say your Instagram one more time for us? Sure. It's sneaker underscore mutt. M-U-T-T. Yeah. All right. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for your time. And everybody, thank you for listening. Bye.